For those who are visitors, we are going through Ephesians. We're using Eugene Peterson, um, a book called Practice Resurrection as our reels to guide us through that. And we're at chapter 5. And for those who are from Fitzroy, um, the amazing thing for me is that chapter 5 starts exactly where we in Fitzroy finished last week, way back in August. I spent some time glancing through, kind of over-reading, Uh, practice resurrection and Ephesians 5. Then what happens is when we get into it, Monday we start reading, Tuesday we start thinking, Wednesday and Thursday we're reading Eugene Peterson, and about Saturday night about half past 12 we might be getting somewhere, and then on Sunday morning about uh, quarter past 10 we might be there. So I, it's a long time since August when I was reading through this a little bit more meticulously, so I was amazed when we came last week with our five or six new communicants with Patrick uh, just not with us on Sunday. And we came to this table and tried to use this as this iconic symbol, this story that we get our imaginations into that changes the imaginations of our living. To follow that with chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, seems to have us right there again. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Love and worship meet in our sacrament at the Lord's table. We do and will remember him. Peterson tells us that love and worship are not the ways of the world. All through this series, I've been kind of a bit freaked out Maybe I shouldn't be as a minister of religion. But I've been a bit freaked out at how each chapter that we've come to has just significantly pointed to where we are on the very week that we're in. And today, amazingly, or this week amazingly, as I got into page two of Eugene Peterson, war is where he goes in some of his thinking. He tells us that love and worship are not the way the world tells us to do it. Love's a bit flimsy, feely-weely, and Valentine-like. And worship's a bit naive, ethereal, and for most certainly in the Britain of today, completely insane, if you listen to our media. No, the world, to get things really done, to make the changes that we've been singing and praying that need to be done, the world would have other ways to go about it. They're not unimportant things, but they've become the most important thing. Education, technology, propaganda and advertising, legislation, money, and Peterson goes on, and the last resort, war. How appropriate on a day like today. But we live resurrection. We follow Jesus. We love and worship. Peterson says that we love and worship in a tsunami of social, political, and sexual violence. And then, to freak me even more, after I decided to use W.B. Yeats via the Water Boys in our act of remembrance, where does Eugene go? W.B. Yeats. 
And what he does in W.B. Yeats, he says, and let me just get this right, because it's a little further on in my notes that I'm changing as we go. Nothing new there. He says that for him, W.B. Yeats wouldn't be who he would call to be a witness in a court of law about love, worship, and God. But, he says, he is a useful voice in the public square. That's exactly what we try to do, if I haven't explained it well enough, in our gospel according to us. We're not using Leonard Cohen or Van Morrison or Van Gogh or Les Miserables or Harry Potter as a witness in a courtroom to declare what it is to follow Jesus. Now, what we're doing is what Eugene Peterson does. He uses them as a a voice in the public square to bring about a point that is right there in the scriptures. So how does Peterson do it? Well, he takes two poems by Yeats. The first one, 1919, which we mentioned King George V said about this Remembrance Day. In 1919, W.B. Yeats wrote a poem called Second Coming. Now, Mrs. Southers asked me to read that when I was in Upper Sixth. I'd been a Christian a matter of weeks. And she said, you'll really like this, Steve. This is called The Second Coming. And I had no idea what she was on about, as my A-level result revealed later on. (laughs) But what Peterson does wonderfully is this, The Second Coming, is... Christ doesn't come as the baby in Bethlehem to bring peace, the prince of pieces we were praying about earlier together in our prayers. In Yeats's mind coming out of the First World War that set up this Remembrance Day, the second coming that he talks about is a beast slouching towards Bethlehem to be born. All hope gone, all love and worship dismissed, We are now in the doom and gloom of a modern world where, Yeats puts it, things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. It's pretty hopeless stuff, the second coming. Wonderfully actually put to music by Joni Mitchell and we might well go in that direction as some of you have asked me to do sometime next year but not for now. What Peterson's fascinated about is that when it came to the publication of that book where that poem was in something else had happened to Yeats. His daughter Anne was born and he'd written a a poem called A Prayer for My Daughter as all those who play around with rhyme and words seem to do on those occasions. And what Peterson uses right here as a voice in the public square is this. That when that book was published, the second coming in all its hopelessness, all its lovelessness, all its hatred, was followed by a prayer for my daughter, which was love and worship in prayer for my daughter. And so Peterson says... That Yeats uses these poems to testify to the indestructibility of love and worship, outlasting the worst that a world opting for hate and war will throw at us. What a chapter. What a thought on November the 11th. Love 
and worship. The key to changing the world. Let me say it again. Let's get this into our minds. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. And walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And in that translation, you get that word, therefore. Peterson tells us that in chapters 4 to 6, we have 11 therefores. The 11 therefores take us back to the first three chapters of Ephesians, where we've laid out who God is and what God is doing in our world. And the therefores are therefore... And do you know Stephen McElwain was the one that told me way back in college 25 years ago, if there's a therefore there, you've got to ask what the therefore is there for. Can't remember any of my lectures, but Stephen McElwain, he's the one I remember and I'm still using. The therefores are there in order that we make sure that this does not become what humans do, but is a therefore of what God is doing in us. Peterson then goes on to say that love is a word that has been pushed out of shape, bent and done all kinds of damage with. I guess as Chris was showing us some of that damage that we've done to the world that we live in, we could, if we could, love's one of those things that you can't tangibly kind of... I wake up every morning to Chris Evans. Sorry, I'm off on one here. But I wake up to Chris Evans every morning. Janice needs to have the alarm off an hour before she wakes up, but I wake up as soon as it goes off. So I listen to Chris Evans for an hour trying to get to sleep during Chris Evans. But anyway, one morning, I'm nearly sure he said this because you're kind of in that blur, but somebody was saying that they didn't believe in God because you can't see God. And Chris Evans in my ear was saying, what nonsense that is. You can't see love. Do they believe in love? And I was going, it's Chris Evans preaching on Radio 2 on, in the morning. We can't show the destruction of love either. It's the pain in our hearts. It's the wreckage that goes on inside us. It's that awful loneliness or that awful break and that void. But it's been pulled apart, this word love. For instance, I love New York City. I love shoes. Anybody? Or my own confession, I love Manchester City. Really? And what we've done is that we've used love to be actually... The word like. And we've bent love out of shape as to what love really means. And then, of course, Hollywood has sexualized love. And if you want to know in a movie whether they've fallen in love, you don't see the fruit of real love. You see some physical act of love. We need to regain the theological meaning of love. Because only when we regain the theological meaning of love will we change the world in the way that we've been praying and thinking about and tidying up our bedrooms this morning. In these verses at the start of chapter 5, we are the beloved. God loves us as we are. No matter how many times we mess up the bedroom, this is very good news for me. We are loved. There was a moment during the children's talk when I thought, if Janice has given him a photo of my side of the bedroom, I am not going to be at all happy. <laughs> no matter how many times we mess up, we are the beloved of God. The saints of God, we talked about it earlier in this series. Christ loved us, not liked us, not wore a t-shirt with I like humans or I love humans. Christ showed us what love was. 
And this love walked among us. It was incarnated. This is what we're going to do. I love it when we get the crib in. And I was talking to some of my Catholic friends and saying, we put the baby in early. And they say, oh, he's premature and you Protestant churches. But uh, I love it when the crib's there and we see this moment of the presence of God coming to earth. God's love was not spoken from a distance. It was not just shared with us with prophets or patriarchs or matriarchs or Psalms or Proverbs. No, God showed the full extent of his love by his presence among us. Jesus walked on the earth. And we are asked in this verse to walk in those ways, the love of God. It's personal. It's on earth as it is in heaven, and it's particular. For me, the big word is presence. On Tuesday, I will get up and I promise you I will thank God for three years in this community. It has been marvelous. And I have learned and I've had to learn. And I'm still learning and I'm going to learn. No matter how many times I mess it up, guys, you're going to have to love me. Chris told you. But the thing I've learned the most is this. What is the best way for us to be a community? To learn who God is. To grow in our faith and then to take that to the world. Three words I've learned that will do that. Presence. Presence and presence. That's why the children are in. Presence. Yes, they could go out here as they have done. And we could tell them that the church loves them, that God loves them. But you know what they're going to remember when they are your age and my age? Probably nothing. Okay, hands up if you can remember five children's talks from your time in church. They're good. We try to do our best mumpings as he can, but then he probably learned them at home before he went out. <laughs> but there's ways, I think the ways that they will remember will be how they are treated by the body of Christ and the people of God in here. When Jack speaks to them, when our older members stop to talk to them, when our older teens give them some time, the presence of the love of God becomes tangible to them. And it's not just our children. We need presence. We need to be around each other. Peterson talks about learning German on his own with audio tapes and books and grammar. And then he went to converse with his professor. And his professor said, that's a bizarre accent. I've never heard anything German like that ever before. He'd learned all the technicalities, but he had no presence. If we as a church want to reach the community around about us, will we stick a poster up at the front? We do need to change that. The minister changed three years ago and we'll, we'll get around it eventually. But do we stick a poster up with John 3 and 16 on it and hope that that communicates the love of God to the people in the Holy Lands or Botanic or at Queen's? Do I get out there with a megaphone? Not that my wife thinks I need a megaphone. And just shout about the love of God to them or give them out tracts? No. Presence. Be in the primary school on a weekly basis. Set out your bacon buddies on a Thursday night. Find yourselves in Mornington and community activities. Get down Botanic Avenue and be involved in a community carol service that involves the shops, the restaurants, the cafes, and what we're doing. Presence is going to make more impression for God 
than words. How do I know that? Because it's how God did it. He had 39 books. The Old Testament, there they were. Was it enough? No. He had all those psalms to sing. Were they enough? No. What did God think was a better way than words and psalms and books? Presence. He came and lived among us. If we're going to learn the love of God, you don't learn it with somebody saying God loves you. You learn it when the presence of people who love God love you as you are over and over and over again. One little shower of rain, no flowers are going to bloom. One little patch of sun, no flowers are going to bloom. It needs to be a relentless presence of the love of God that allows us to make an impression in our own lives and in the community and the world around us. Let me close with an illustration of what I think is being said here. By the way, the chapter is amazing. I could preach for three months on the entire chapter. Some very interesting things going on there. Peterson doesn't spend much time on the rest of it either. He talks about love and the end about the worship. But here's the thing that I've learned in these last few weeks, and I know you're going to laugh, but I'm not going to do any illustrations. Be imitators of God, therefore. If we want to love, got to follow. Thursday morning, they're laughing, 9.30, upstairs, Zumba. Now what happens, well I see Jonathan's trying to cringe a little bit, but you should see Jonathan doing a twirl. It is actually quite exceptional. (laughs) But Lorna is, what you might say, just amazing at this stuff. All these cha-cha moves and all these dance moves and there's Phyllis and myself and Maureen Blake on Thursday morning and Natalie and Jonathan and Ruth and uh, um, June Pat. Um, missed sadly this week hope she did more exercises at home and Muriel and there's a few of us here trying to do this Zumba stuff and we're not getting it anywhere near right because we're trying to follow what's going on but you know what I've discovered it's not actually about getting it right it's just about moving and the more you move to the imitation the closer you get to the imitation Now, there's some moves I'm still not getting, but I know some better than I did five weeks ago. And Jesus doesn't call us into his family and then say, right, you've got to get every move right, right here and now. Look at the disciples. My goodness, they're chopping people's ears off three years in. That was not a move they learned from Jesus. But he's asking us, be imitators. Follow me. Come on, let's just move. Because if you sit until you've all the moves right, it's never going to happen. Presence. Action. Beginning to live this love amongst us and outside of us is what's needed to change the world. Yes, we do need good sermons. And yes, we do need people outside communicating words. Yes, we do need the books of the Bible. Yes, we do need many other things in worship. But where Peterson comes back to is this. We sing, we baptize, we remember our dead, we read the scriptures and we pray. Center, the center that didn't hold in the second coming of W.B. Yeats 
holds in the church of love and worship because the center is Christ's death on a cross that we remember in the sacrament. And that center will allow us to be imitators of God, to walk in the love of God, to be a presence in the world, and to bring the peace of the Savior on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for Jesus' example. We thank you that you didn't talk about love, that you acted, that while we were still sinners, you demonstrated your love for us in dying for us. We pray, Lord, that we would become imitators of God, sacrificial, learning Yes, the power of resurrection, but also about sharing in your suffering. That we would walk in a particular place, in a personal way, the presence of the love of God. And that that presence among us would help us grow our faith, would help us grow in love. But then you would make us a presence outside of these walls, People who can argue with the theology or the philosophy or go with the new atheist movement but can never argue when the love of God speaks to them, embraces them, feeds them, clothes them, visits them, loves them. Lord, make us a people of love and worship. In a world where we remember the worst of humanity today in these wars, Make us the light that shines in the darkness, the love that overcomes the hatred to bring your kingdom and your will on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.